Hello, I'm Kieran Lynch and welcome to Overcast, the Chocolate Sheep Podcast. Each episode, we bring less insights, advice and technical updates for the sheep industry. In this episode, we catch up with Chocolate Better Farm Sheep Program participant Des Powell, who's run the mixed beef and sheep system in County Tipperary. Des is joining this episode with Dr. Frank Campion, and we discuss Des's plans to increase flock size and the kind of breeding policy he's implementing on his farm. With Almond already on the way in the flock, Des discusses how he's selecting and identifying his replacements, and Frank highlights the challenges of expanding from within the flock and how it can limit selection initially. We'll discuss some infrastructure changes on the farm in the past year, and we finish up discussing the current grass situation this spring and what changes Des has implemented to bring this about. We start off, however, with Des giving us a bit of background to his farm and the system he's running. Uh, running at the moment 260 yos and uh, 40 yo lamb replacement. I had hoped to keep more and I'm going to keep those hoggets that didn't go on lamb. There's 29 of them, I'll keep them as well. And then on the beef side of the house, I keep about, I bring in about 30 to 40 cows in the spring and then I add, topped it up to about 70 weanlands. In the, in, the, in the end of the year and, and then keep them for the a year uh, winter and then uh, I keep them for my second winter and then they I, I'm in the Hereford Prime so if they're whited we we'll go to the ABC factory and um, the rest of them go into the, into the market stores and that's, that's pretty much um, the lie of the land. So it's, it's a mixed sheep and beef system you're also a member of the Better Farm Sheep Program and I know as part of that there's one of your aims and it is really to push your system on a bit more. What are a couple of key changes you're hoping to make, maybe starting maybe in terms of number wise in the farm? Yeah, the main main target at the moment is to, is to put those yo numbers up to around the 400 mark. Um, and so that's, that's this year's real focus. So um, I, with Frank's help there, we uh, picked out, identified the best the best uh, yo that I've got from performance and um but anyone that was any anyone that was a white went to Suffolk, and anyone that was what they Suffolk really went back with a bad player. And hopefully, with those that will help drive numbers up. My my prolificity is probably a bit too low, so I'm using the bad player um, to try and bring a bit bit more numbers into the flock. So it's a combination of driving numbers up and trying to get the output from the news up as well in the same time. And look, it's a, it's a bit of a challenge you've done in a short period. Frank, I might bring you in on this one. There's a challenge in any farm where you try and increase numbers and increase output and all at one time. It's obviously, it's multifaceted, so it is, but it, it takes a number of years to do that. Yeah, that's the thing here. It does take a couple of years. It's not an overnight thing that's going to happen. You know, Des will tell you that himself and he's a living proof of that. You know, he's a couple of years out trying to build the O numbers now and we went from a situation of about 170 O's the first year. There's 260 O's plus the 40 O lambs to land this year, you know. And, you know, there's challenges in that insofar as we're trying to pick our yellow lambs from within the flock because we want to get, keep those genetics in. Des has mentioned that he's using his best share in his Suffolk. So, you know, he has a defined breeding policy there. He wants those genetics coming through. But ultimately, then, that's going to limit us somewhat into the amount that we can keep, you know, the amount of yellow lambs that haven't come through, coming through every year. So it yeah. takes a number of years to build them up. And it just, I suppose... We start off the first couple of years and we're, you know, any 30 old lambs that are hitting the weight targets and are, you know, healthy and, and we're, we're happy to keep or keeping. And then as we get up towards the numbers, we can probably become more selective. And that's something Dave is starting to push back towards now as he's 
slowly beginning to get enough yellow lambs every year that he has an option there to pick to pick from. And I might tease on over to you a bit more in a moment. Like there's part of this process start of you, and you've just started lambing as well, but part of this process for you started last October. You mentioned earlier just a simple division within the type of yos you're mating to each of the different crosses. You're looking for that Suffolk Belfair yo ultimately. So um just take us back a wee bit like group wise, what kind of rams did you put out this October? Uh, so they went out, we put out Belclare and Suffolk, um, with the ULM got Charlie. Uh, um, generally speaking, uh, I like I got about 50, uh, 50, 50 to get 100. What I called uh, my, my best girls, my best, you know, um, they got 50 of them were picked out to go to two of the best players I had, and then the best of the of the. A lot of the Marbell Clare Yos that were built, you know, lambs that bought in as well, uh, they went to the Suffolk. So those that gave me my hundreds of uh, sort of best girls that I could get. And those best Yos would then be crossed back in. I'm going to keep tag their Yos lambs. Um, so if they're twins, they get a red tag. And if they're out of a Bell Clare, they'll get a green tag on. So I can track that through the system later on. I'm thinking that kind of catches up to where we are at the moment with that as well. There's like... The ones you picked then, obviously, you have a different mark put on them yours. I know you're EID recording and it's done digitally as well, but you're at the stage now where you're actually starting to identify these lambs. You mentioned the discs and the tags. So just for the listeners, like you're tagging your lambs at birth. The management disc, just take us through it again, how you're using that. Yeah, actually, I'm doing both because um, obviously when you're in the middle of lambing, you can be a bit uh, dopey. Um, so I, I tag and I use the alert on the handheld. So that alert will will tell me whether it, it, if it's an Belclare ram or an alert saying it is a Suffolk, um, and only on the ones that I selected of those hundred, so fifty fifty. And then when um, I also have those you know, marks in the back of their neck, so I can see it as well. And then if I have twins in front of me, for example, I can then say if it's, if it's a twin, I put a, a red tag in the right hand ear, and if it's out of a Belclare or Belclare ram, for example, and I want to keep it. I'll put a green tag in its left ear um, as a management tag. Those are just coloured discs. And that makes immediately then, when I'm drafting them um, over the summer, I can see that coming down to the race. I can say, okay, that's, that's the one I want to keep. So, Provided she, she, she scores well, but she's a good lamb. And like you touched on something important there, but you, you have the two means of identifying them. They're all electronically recorded for the mating groups on your handheld software, but you've also that physical mark there as well, which is sometimes a very simple tool that can be used on farms. The other thing you touched on there, and I think it's, it's very useful at this stage, you're really going for the maximum number you can possibly keep based on genetics at the moment and you know, whatever you decide to cut out. But that this tag or a tag marker them at this stage is one way of identifying them as the year progresses. And you're continually calling back, I assume, as the year continues on that one. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, this is just giving me a, a pool that I can I can draft from. And then I'll know immediately, I can look at that, your lamb and say, oh, I know her, I know her background. And then after that, if she does perform well, I can then say, okay, I'll keep that one um, as a, as a recurring place. Frank, just to bring you back in here on this one, not all of them young lambs, despite the genetics, might be suitable. You know, we'll often talk about not keeping lambs from yours or difficult lambers or poor mother ability at that stage. Some of the things you won't see maybe back in October. Um, <clears throat> How does that fit in with that criteria? Like when you're expanding and trying to get maximum numbers, how hard can you really go on calling in them scenarios? 
Yeah, so you're dead right here, and Des has pointed out very well there. So far as yet, yeah, not every old lamb that's born to one of these yards is going to make the cut at lamb time. And by the time we get to the summer when we're picking them, some of them aren't going to be good enough. Your lambs we want to keep. I suppose in an ideal situation, we'd be at the, the story where look at if we had the old lamb born for yard of did something to displease us at this stage of the year in terms of poor milk, bad mother, etc. We leave. We wouldn't put the disc in them. We say, yeah, look, we're not going to keep her because we can see from her from her mother that you know there might be some issue issues. But I think when you're building the numbers, you probably have to be slightly a, more lenient a, on some of those. There's, a, ba- there's a balance in that. Exactly. You have to focus. The first thing is the lamb has to be a fit and proper lamb for for breeding, and you know that you might just have to focus on that for the first year or two till you get the numbers up. And then once you have your numbers and you have a good enough pool of your lambs to pick from, then you start bringing in the rest of the criteria. Look, it's a, it's a bit of an effort in terms of identifying them at this stage, but in the long-term picture of it, we've seen benefits before in flocks like this from doing that simple identification and tagging at this stage. Look, obviously, it's okay talking about open output and open numbers. The rest of the system has to match in terms of look facilities, housing, otherwise, I know days you've done some work on, on increasing your housing at the moment. Um, the other big aspect of that is really matching your grassland to it. So just maybe for our listeners, take us through, like, what was a couple of big changes you made from a grass point of view so far, and what, what are the plans going forward? Uh, well, one of the things that, that has helped is um, I, I increased my road. So I have a road now, which means that I can, I would often have, I'd be sort of forced to carry stock in certain fields at the tail end of the winter or the tail end of the autumn, and um, they, I could keep them further away from the house because I was able to get to them. And that has meant that there's uh, some good grass being able to keep I closed earlier and I had a, a better cover across the whole farm. That was one thing that, uh, um, obviously, then I'm measuring grass has become a new uh, pastime that I'm, I'm, and I'm trying to learn from that a lot more and learn from the sort of uh, what that means, and, and I'm, I'm tracking my rotations more closely and really get down to see, uh, get that performance measured, which is something we never did here before. And I'm starting to enjoy it actually to sort of get something out of that and get a better re- re- return. Pat, I mentioned play. Look at that whole improving access is always a valuable investment. Like, just in terms of um, managing covers and measuring, look, it's been a difficult enough spring for most. You've recently completed an open cover look your lambing at the moment, so you're obviously turning stock out to it. How are you grass-wise this spring? Pretty good. Obviously, the sun's shining today, and I, I'm trying to get fertilizer out in the next, as soon as I can. Um, but there's a, there's a good cover there, and I hopefully can... Um, I'll, I'll split as they go out. I'll, I'll put the singles out in one mob, and then I'll split the twins. And then I'll keep the triplets near the house, the few that I have. I'll try and work past them. And Frank, just like that managing the groups, torn out and setting up your grazing groups. In Des's case, you know, he chose to keep the single separate. Others will probably split maybe an age um, first. That approach is sometimes farm specific. Maybe just allude to it there. Like in Des's, why is the single split from the twins maybe more suitable for him? Yeah, look at it. That's exactly it, Kieran. It's, it's probably farm specific. We would usually be saying split on age is the, the easiest, most practical way to do it. In Des's case, it's just the fri- there's, the farm is slightly fragmented. And I suppose one of the areas is what well, we'll be, well, we kind of high, a little bit exposed. And it just suits better to throw the singles out to that block. You know, he's, it helps to spread out the, the flock a bit, easier to manage them. It probably wouldn't be suitable for letting twins up to, particularly in the early stages, 
say to just after lambing. So it's just a case of, you know, looking at what way the farm is set up and setting up the groups to match that. A slightly more exposed Satan, I think. Yeah, that's the exact word. It's slightly more exposed. So just as aside from the singles and Frank has pointed out why the grades not here, any triplet joes or particularly them ewe lambs, how are you managing them as a grazing group? Uh, well, the triplets, I do in general, I had good success last year with wet fostering. Uh, invariably, at the, at the start, as we are now, there's usually a few that kind of get in. I had triplets before I got money to foster them onto. So I, I will have a few, but I'll, I'll keep them near the house and they'll go on, they'll join the, the uh, yo lambs. So they'll be, they'll be mobbed together with the yo lambs and given a bit of extra attention near the house. Bit of extra feed for them. It suits to just the bulk up that group as well. Yeah, true, true, true. Yeah. Look, that all the changes in grass, I think obviously access and managing is important. Um, Days in terms of paddocking or splitting as the year progresses, has that changed that for my previous practice for you? Yeah, massively. Uh, I've, I've, because we've put in new roads and um, a lot of the, the, the fields were much bigger and now I've split them. Um, but I, I should say I've split them a lot of them with tape as well. So that there, there's also, I tried, obviously, silage ground I've kept, kept it as large as possible, but I've intentionally made it very easy that I have. Uh, I've put in a lot of water trucks and a lot of electric points so I can easily connect my white tape or just this big field pretty fast. So that's, that's a big difference what it used to be. And uh, There's obviously benefits there for the cattle enterprise on the farm as well. Like it's, it's, it's another time investment that has uh, dual benefits. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, with, I, with the roads, another thing that has happened because of them is from a labor perspective, I can move animals onto a road and there's, there's no, uh, just that everybody can just, there's only one way home that everybody can just follow the path back, the, the, the roads, roads back. And that's a huge um, win for me. So I'm, I'm, a lot of the work I'm doing here on my own and having that, um, rather than having to need a crowd to try and move stuff around, it makes it a lot easier. That's another side effect of, of added attention to products and roads and so on. Look at something, it's something off and overlooked, but it's a very valid point. I think, Kieran, on, on you know, with Des's case, it's it all boils down to putting in the infrastructure around grazing. So, you know, Des mentioned earlier, which is really important, that his closing plan has worked much better, much better last October. That's why he has he's on target this year, he has enough grass to turn out to, you know, provided things stay going the way they are. He gets out to the fertilizer this week, he, he's banging on where he needs to be. You know, every farm is different in terms of what they need in infrastructure, you know, be that fencing. Or whatever it is that you can better manage your grass and actually, you know, manage it in the way, the way you need to to get the most out of it during the year. It's it's something we talked about in a recent podcast with Philip as well. Like fertilizer has been delayed in other farms, but the kick of getting that closing right is really this spring where you can see them covers have accumulated and you have that safety net there for a year like we've had this yeah. year. Exactly, exactly. You know, we're 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 seeing that on, on all the better farms. You know, you see the the effects of the, of the closing plan. You do see it. It's now when you see it, you know, and it might be hard to believe it for some lads in October, November when you're telling them you have to have on X amount closed by such and such a date. But when you're standing here on the first of March on the point of lambing and you see that the grass is there, you say, Yeah, well look at that, here's the benefit of it. And that's what you have to bear in mind next autumn when you go to start closing up and setting up your grass for the spring. Yeah, as the song says, uh, I'm I'm a believer because <laughs> uh, I We've uh, we've never had as good a cl- uh, cover at this time of the year. I normally um, we'd have we'd have let sheep eat it, and this year with your with your help, we've, we've 
you know, are we much more disciplined about keeping stock off closing up earlier? And it's, it's the difference today is chalk and cheese compared to prior years. Seen it, seen it, certainly believing. Des, I'm very yeah. conscious you've, you've already started lambing and we've held you up for a bit of time already. Um, we better let you get back to it. Look, thanks very much for joining us today. I'm certain we'll be catching up with you again in the near future. Thanks, guys. We're going to finish things up at this point. Again, I'd like to thank both Des and Frank for joining us. It's good getting an update on where Des is at and he's in the early phase of expansion in this flock. I'm sure we'll catch up with him at a later stage to see how he's progressing. Like all the farms in the Better Farm programme, there will be a monthly update available in the Jogger Sheep Newsletter. We'll try and feature them on the podcast as we go through the season. That's it for me for this episode. Again, for any updates from our sheep program, keep an eye on the Twitter page at Chocolate Sheep. I'm Kieran Lynch. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe and listen in to any of our episodes.